All right, hello and welcome back to the Basic Bible Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Thompson. And coming back on the podcast is Barnabas Piper. Barnabas, welcome back to the podcast. Man, thanks for having me back. It's, uh, it's good to be on with you. I know you've been dying to come back. It's been your lifelong wish, and so here we are. I know all it takes is uh, all it takes is uh, writing another book and then just trying to get back on your radar. That's really yeah. that's really what I seek to achieve. Well, now you have Kim. You, you've arrived. Uh, we, we're hoping the book is going to be on the New York Times bestseller list now. Wouldn't we're that be nice? The Basic Bible Podcast, uh, mega conglomeration, media mogul, whatever. Um, but speaking of media mogul issues, I, I, I do have one issue that we, we should probably clear up on the air. Um, I got a copy of your, your previous book, The Happy Rant, mm-hmm. uh, which, of course, is the podcast that you, you co-host. And when I opened the package, I didn't have a trophy. Was that like an error or was that, uh, you know? No, it was not an error. It was that that went to those people who need the most sort of back padding, mm-hmm. back scratching to those who are secure in their influencer status. <laughs> what do you what do you need a four inch tall trophy for? You've you've arrived. You know, you don't you don't need the assurance that you've you've really nailed it already. I mean, we have ratings literally in the double digits now. Um, no, that's actually we're better than that. But um, <laughs> anyway, uh, we're going to be talking about your latest book, Belong, Loving Your Church by Reflecting Christ to One Another. And uh, before we get to that, I do have one other question. So you're a dad. You've got uh, two daughters. And um, I'm looking for some help, some fatherly advice. <laughs> I will see what I can do. I feel like most of parenting, especially teenagers, is an exercise in feeling like I don't know what I'm doing. But all right, so I'm not a sports guy. Okay. You're a sports guy. I am. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm a nerd. I, I'm, I am following this speaker's race closer than any sports games I've ever watched. <laughs> I'm a political guy. I'm that guy. Um, okay. We just had literally had a party in my classroom, a watch party. Uh, for vote 13 but i try to keep up to date with stuff to communicate with my students and more importantly communicate with my kids i want to know what's going on in the sports world and i've had a problem in the recent weeks and i I hope you can help me with this my my son tommy is 11 years old he's in fifth grade we live in beloit wisconsin somehow this kid has become a vikings fan is there something I could do about this? Um, I would I would lean towards uh, those those psalms that talk about abandonment by the <laughs> Lord and you know how long, O oh Lord, and those because you're going to need those in your pocket because they're going to break his heart. So, um, you know the Lord the Lord disciplines those He loves. That's a good one for Vikings yeah. fans because there's just that you. You can gently remind him when his heart is broken that this is protection from idolatry. There's a lot of there's a lot of good that comes out of being a Vikings fan um, on the spiritual side, not on the sports side. <laughs> so, and then you know he's also living in Beloit, Wisconsin. He's just he has chosen a lot where he's basically going to be opposed to everybody around him, which. <laughs> Some people yeah. thrive on that. Most people, you know, they're going to need some picking up. So you're going to have some opportunities to encourage him when he comes home after Aaron Rodgers obliterates them again. That's yes. the Packers quarterback, non-sports guy. Um, and uh, and he's going to need, you know, some some hugs and some space and some fatherly wisdom. 
Yeah, well, I mean, it was it was fun watching last week's game. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it was. It, the Packers doing the gritty after a Jefferson tackle was great. Um, and that's about as much as I know sports-wise. You know, the fact that you as a non-sports guy just mentioned Jefferson and gritty means you're, you're doing better than you think you are. <laughs> so, well done. Well, you know, my kids were adopted. And when our first child came in, he was a Bears fan. And my wife was almost ready to just say, no, this isn't it. <laughs> um, but fortunately, she got over that. But then he became a Patriots fan, um, which I'm from New England. So and and I'm looking at, <laughs> you know, for the for the again, I'm this is my knowledge here. From what I understand, I try to be conversant. So the the Patriots have to beat the Bills next week to make it to the playoffs. Beating the Bills in Buffalo this week of all weeks with Demar Hamill uh, situation, I don't think there's a soul outside of New England who's rooting for them. And maybe that was true before, um, but yeah, I mean the residual New England hate. Still, I mean, the, the Brady, Belichick, evil yeah. empire thing, they, they're, they're still residue of that, even though they're, they don't resemble the same team. But yeah, nobody wants anything except to see the Bills win. Like, it doesn't even matter. It, and it doesn't matter that it's the Patriots. It right, could right. be anybody just yeah. to see, yeah, DeMar Hamlin uh, honored. And uh, I mean, Apparently, there's wonderful reports about his health, but uh, right. you know, even if he could like make it like a video from him or whatever, that stadium will will disintegrate with excitement. So yeah, no nobody's rooting for the Patriots. And so my listeners are now realizing uh, they were sh- they are shocked at the amount of knowledge I have just displayed here. <laughs> I know. Are you, are you going to be disowned by anybody because you've you've given over <laughs> to the dark side, both sports and the Patriots? No, see, I'm I'm still considering myself a Patriots fan. In fact. If if we were skinned back, you could see the Patriots banners in my classroom. Okay, I do it just because they're hated. Um, And I came I came to this school right in the middle of Deflate Gate and all that stuff. Oh, nice! Um, And so I just like to tick people off. And you're just you're just a troll. You're a real life. I am. I I do appreciate the boldness that you're not just like this. Isn't an online thing. This is a right in people's face thing. That takes a lot more guts. (laughs) That's that's uh, bold of you. Yeah, so I yeah I don't know if I could name Mac Jones. I know Mac Jones. Outside of that, yep. I, I couldn't name anybody on the team. <laughs> um, but uh, there was a James White, and I only know him because of you know the theologian James White. But very okay. different. One of whom is much more likable than the other, and we're just going to leave it at that. <laughs> List, listeners can decide. Yes. Um, anyway, James White has been on this podcast, um, the theologian. Although it was an interview from like ten years ago. Um, when I could still stomach some of what he was. Anyway, he's gone a little too more, more political for me, and I'm a right. political guy. Um, but anyway, we're talking about your book, Belong. Yes. And so I, I enjoy your book. Now, the last time you were on here, we talked about your book on happiness. Mm-hmm. And um, and I confess, I didn't actually read a lot of the book at that point. <laughs> this book is much shorter, and I did completely read it. So um, there's no excuse for me not reading it this time. Um, and I read it and I enjoyed it. It's, it's a great, it's a, it's, like I said, it's a small book. It's very easy to understand. I think one of the things I like about it most is, um, your discussion guide, your, your study questions at the, at the end of each quest, at the end of each chapter, 
which you call action points. Um, and they're, they're leading you not just for a discussion, but, okay, let's do something about what we just read. Um, this isn't going to be something we're just going to talk about and chat about and then, you know, never think about it again. But so I appreciate that. Um, but the book is not when I originally read it, you know, I'm used to reading, you know, nine marks of a healthy church or, you know, how to be a good church member. And this isn't that. No, um, you're talking about the sense of belonging to a church. And you, you make right. the point that belonging doesn't equal membership. You can belong to a church, not be a member of it. Some churches don't have membership. And then you can be a member of a church and not feel that belonging. So what do you mean by the, that basic idea of belonging to a church? Yeah. And yeah, so the, this is not a book about uh, membership process. It's not a book about uh, the, you know, the, the it, it's not an ecclesiology book in, in that way. It right. is much more a sense of, uh, it, it's a book about the sense of living in God's design for the body of Christ. So the, the, the sense of belonging and I'm, I'm reluctant to use the word sense because that sounds very fluid. The reality of belonging, because it, it is it is a design of God's, is found in w- when a person discovers what life is like um, inside of the New Testament's description of a healthy church um, in terms of thinking specifically of the one another commands is, is yeah. one of the best ways to sort of uh, gauge that love one another, bear with one another, forgive one another, exhort one another, teach one another, pray with one another and so forth. Um, and so b- belonging is when church feels like the closest family, when you're somebody who, who doesn't have a close family or your family is not believers and you go, Oh, this is it. This yeah. is what Jesus was talking about when he said, uh, in me, you will have a, you know, a hundredfold mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters. So it's the discovery of that in a local church. And that's why I say it's not necessarily tied to membership. If a church has membership, I'm fully in favor of people becoming members because that is a, that's a giving of yourself to commitment. But some churches don't have formal membership. That does not mean they don't have a, a lively Christ shaped uh, body and community. Yeah. So the church, you said, is, is is like a family, and there's other illustrations as well. Uh, you talk about the building, even though it's not, mm-hmm. you know, we're not talking about a physical building, but there are blocks that are in place and whatnot. It's built on the foundation of Christ. Um, you talk about the idea of church being a body, and mm-hmm. I, I do. I was a little offended. Um, you, you mentioned the idea of amputation, and specifically, you mentioned like a toe, uh, a, a, an arm or a toe, whatever. I just had a toe amputated. So I'm going to go all snowflake here and say how offended I am. I'll be the Karen. And so we'll just put that up there. But I mean, my, my, my mother had a big toe amputated. I grew up with, I grew up with a nine toed uh, parent. So I (laughs) thought that I was kind of, I thought I was safe. You know, it's like that I I have one of these in my family. I thought, I thought I could speak freely about the amputation (laughs) aspect. Okay. Well, that gives you a pass then. Um, And ironically, all of my kids are really great at soccer, but that's the one sport I really can't help them out with. Uh, not that I can help them out with any sport, but um, but the church as a family, you mentioned, and I love this point here, that belonging doesn't always mean you're you're comfortable. You you mm-hmm. use the idea of a hospital. In fact, you use it twice, and I want to talk about both times. I thought it was really interesting. Um, a hospital sometimes where you need to be. Again, I was mm-hmm. just in the hospital. Um, I didn't enjoy it. I, I hated it just about every minute of it, and. Uh, I wanted to leave because I knew this isn't where 
I should be, but I also knew at this time it's where I need to be. Tell us a little bit yeah. about expand expound upon that a little bit. Yeah. So the the significant point there is that belonging is is based off of, like I said earlier, it's based off of design. Yeah. There is a there there's a moral reality to it. So th- there's a sense of belonging, a sense of the word belonging that is I feel at home here. And then there's a sense yeah. of this is where I must be. So yeah. if 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 you're in the middle of a medical emergency, you belong at the hospital. Right. Or if your loved one is you know in critical condition, you know, or if you have a child in the NICU, you belong at the hospital yeah. with your loved one. There's a sense of you must be there. That is the right place for you for all of these realities. And so and and the church the church is that. And so it's not always a sense of belonging like, oh, I found my people, I found my place. It's it's you need to be here in order to be healed, repaired, yeah. or to walk with others through that according right. to what God intends. Yeah. And even the idea of church as a family doesn't always equal comfort. I mean, anybody with a family knows right. there are uncomfortable moments and you've got the crazy uncle at the dinner table or you've got the aunt that we don't talk about or... Uh, yeah, or just the, the siblings who you're constantly just like bickering with or right. whatever. Like there's just... Family is... Family was probably the analogy I had the hardest time with because it is it is where it, it's where the most relational friction it's yeah. where relational friction comes the most easily. So saying the church is a family often is like, really, does it have right. to be? Well, God, God came up with that idea, both of family and of church. And so you have to look at the design for both of those things to be able to go, OK, when we say church is family, we're not talking about abusive, dysfunctional families. Right. We're talking about God's intent for families. Right. And so you also use this illustration of a hospital. Uh, a couple chapters later, we're talking about the idea of, yes, we want people to come to the church, quote, just as you are. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that phrase has probably been overused and it's, it's been abused and whatnot. Um, but we do need to come to a place where your sin is not necessarily welcomed, but invited. The idea yeah. being your sin should be on display for a purpose. I think some in some places your sin is almost it's almost like bragging rights. Well, yeah. I'm this or I'm that. And that's just how I am. And that's my problem and, and, and whatever. But it stops there. Mm-hmm. But in the book, you're saying, no, um, you need to be open and honest about your sin to begin with. We're not going to hide it. Yeah. You know, and I've been in churches growing up where that was it. You, you, you show up to church, you sit in your pew, you wear your, your coat and tie, and you smile, you fold your hands, and you put on the performance. Instead, we should be open about our hurts, open about our sin, open about our struggles, but for a purpose, like, again, a patient going to the doctor. It doesn't help to hide your problems to the doctor. Right, yeah. You want them to know for the purpose of healing. Yeah, I mean, there's there's very few things that are dumber than lying to a doctor. Um, Because, A, there's a a doctor-patient privilege, which is not dissimilar from what we should have in the church. We should have the understanding that you can come in here and confess and admit to the things that you are most ashamed of. And, and we will not, you know, pearl clutch and gasp and how could you and what we will absorb that because, because the great physician is really the one at work here. So we're not, you know, and, and we will protect your dignity. 
Right. We're not going to shame you. We're not going to blab it. We're not going to gossip about you. We're not going to be like, did you hear what so-and-so said? So there's that reality. And then there's just the simple reality of we can't get healthy until all of the sinful symptoms are being addressed by the great physician. And so there, there has to be a, you know, just a full layout of where we are. I mean, it's like, you know, I'm probably going to offend some listener to this. When I go to the doctor and they're like, do you smoke? Well, I mean, well, what does that mean? Like how often is, how often, how many cigars yeah. a month is smoking versus not smoking is like, and the answer is just yes. Yes, I do. You know, not packs a day, but like I smoke cigars sometimes. Okay. I just need to say yes. And the doctor can then tell me if that affects any of these other medical things going on. Cause he might say that that's actually triggering these other symptoms and yeah. you should probably stop. But if I lie to him, I'm not giving him the information. So right. it's, it's that little kind of thing, but but it's two-sided there. There's the reception of it. And then our trust as sinners in the safety and the need for the healing from through the gospel. So I had a, I had a student last year from Cuba. And so whenever he went to see his family, he brought me a <laughs> bunch of Cuban cigars. And so, and I don't even smoke cigars, but it was pretty nice. Um, yeah. And I, well, and you now have, if you don't smoke them, you have gifts that will please. And that's, yeah. You know, yeah. You have gifts that will please people. Let's put it that yeah, way. I gave them to my pastor who loved it. Um, so scandalous, my pastor smokes cigars. Um, actually not my current pastor. Actually, I don't know if he does, but anyway. Oh, so that's what got him fired. You gave him cigars. <laughs> yeah. He's not, he's not your pastor anymore. Bummer. So Phil, if you're listening, sorry. Um, all right. So moving on, you, you talk about the need for unity and, uh, I'm, I'm looking at our time here cause I've got a basketball the game to get to, uh, I got to make the tip off, but you, you talk about the need for unity within the church. Mm-hmm. And, uh, there are two things I wanted to bring up here real quick, but, uh, the facade of friendly unity was kind of what we just talked about. The idea of yeah. you put on your show, uh, you pretend to be more spiritual than you are. And of course, the problem with that is everything is hidden. You're not going to be able to deal with anything. And, you know, uh, you know, like Luther said, sin boldly and uh, nothing. It, it, it's, it's a facade and that's just not real. Uh, yeah. And then I want to ask you about the, and this is, if we didn't get controversial yet, but the, the faux vanity of against this, oh, and I've seen this yeah. so many times and it's easy to get into, yeah. you know, cause we can preach against Hollywood and we can preach against the liberals and we can preach against the compromisers and all these things. And we're going to be uh, not just pro-life, but anti-abortion and whatever the, the latest bandwagon is uh, for conservatives or whatever, we can always be against something and it's easy to coalesce, uh, 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 around those issues, but again, in reality, it's it's phobia. It's not really actual biblical unity, right? Yeah. So the I mean, the, the first one, the faux unity of sort of uh, friendliness or pleasantness, is it's kind of it's easier to recognize or easier for people to kind of be like, yeah, that's that's nonsense. Because so I live in the Bible Belt now. I'm in Nashville. Uh, my parents grew up in the South here. I grew, spent a lot of time here growing up. There is a niceness in the South yeah. that veils all sorts of nastiness. So there's, you know, less so now than it used to be, but it's still kind of a, it's a really nice place. People are nice, yeah. but not, not talking about difficult things is not the same as being unified in the midst of difficult right. things. It has nothing in common with being unified in Christ. Um, which is how you work through controversies or how you reconcile or how, you know, 
as Ephesians talks about the, it breaks down the dividing wall of hostility. And, and so there, there, niceness is not unity. It's, it's actually avoidance. Right. It's an, it's a, un, and so when that stuff rears its head, that's how you have churches that will, that will split over the stupidest, pettiest things. Cause they only know how to avoid not process through with, with a governing principle of Jesus first. Now, now what do we do? The againstness is is more insidious because you can do things in the name of the gospel with great passion and fervor and and look like you're defending the truth. And maybe in some sense you are, but in reality, you are not unified in Christ. You are unified around an enemy. Yeah. And inevitably, a that battle comes to an end. Right. Every group that has been unified around an enemy disintegrates at some point. Yep. They become factions. They win the war. Congratulations, you won. Now what marks right. you? Now, now you, now you, you're you're aimless. You're identityless because the unity is not for Christ. Whereas, if if we are unified around, okay, we are going to uphold the name of Jesus and we're going to live according to what Jesus said. There are certain things we will be against, and they will come and go. You know, the the political, uh, the 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 societal, those things will will come and go. And we will steadily march through our life towards Christ in in oneness as a church. And that and, and we won't always agree. Unity and agreement are not the same thing. Unity means come hell or high water, I'm not letting go of you. Right. We we will see this thing through and do our best to honor Christ in it, even though we're gonna be different politically, we're gonna be um, we're gonna take different stances on this. We we may really get mad at each other for a little while, but but we will not allow it to fracture the relationship of this church. One one final issue I want to bring up, and I, I this I think was uh, worth the price of the book. This really hit me um, more than anything else. You have a chapter. What if I have a bad experience with the church? Mm-hmm. And I mean, there's so much here we can get into, but I want to get into this issue here. Um, so what if I don't belong? What if I don't have that huh. feeling? And you said there, there's a difference between going through the checklist. Yeah. You know, does it have exegetical sound preaching? Uh, does it have uh, biblical eldership? And, does it, or you, and you could go through the nine marks or whatever. And that's where I've been for many years. But then you pose the question, maybe it's not those things, but is there the aroma of Christ yeah. within that church setting? Describe that. Oh man, it's a, it's one of those, like, it's easier to recognize than to describe situations, but the, my experience has not been, is probably fairly similar to yours for a long time where when I would, when I was in a position to need to look for a new church because I'd moved to a new place or whatever, I would, I would have sort of the mental checklist, you know, uh, biblical or expository preaching, this kind of theology, um, and you kind of run it down and, and you start with the certain essentials and you get into the preferences, you know, I prefer this kind of music, whatever. And, and I ended up at some churches that checked, you know, nine out of 10 boxes say, which is a really good ratio. Um, and I, and I didn't find the life of Christ there yeah. because there's a big difference between gospel doctrine. So I'm going to steal phrases from Ray Ortland here. His, his, uh, his pastoring of me and his writing was very influential in, in this book as a whole, but there's a huge difference between just having gospel doctrine, believing and espousing the right things, doing things in the right order, etc., 
and gospel culture, which is where the reality and the life of Christ just sort of comes out. It's in the water. It's in the air. It's in the conversation where that's there's a there's a vibrance, there's an honor, there's a joy, there's a welcome, there's a safety to for 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 sinners and confession. How many? I mean, anybody who has been around the reformed world, and it's true of the fun, you know, kind of the, the fundamentalist world too, where where there is just a we are Bible believing rigorous Christians and they're just jerks. Yeah. Like just, just to put it, frankly, they're, they're just mean, mean spirited, good theological people. Well, congratulate that. That is, that is denying with your life, what you espouse with your mouth. Right. The aroma of Christ is where, when you come into a place before you know their theology, you go, this, this place feels like, like Christ is, is in the room. That's it. And it's, I don't know how to describe it other than that, but I've, but there are, there are so many churches that have it because Jesus is real in and shapes them. And you know it when you find it and it's beautiful. Well, Barnabas, thank you so much for joining us here this week on, on the podcast. So our, again, our recommended resource this week, Belong, Loving Your Church by Reflecting Christ to One Another by Barnabas Piper. And uh, check out the Happy Rant. If, if you're done with your basic Bible podcast, there's other podcasts out there. Check out the Happy Rant. Check out the Happy Rant book as well. I haven't started reading that one yet, um, but I'm sure it's good. But thank you, Barnabas, for coming on. Yeah, thank you. It's been, uh, it's been great to be on with you. So again, check us out, www.basicbiblepodcast.org. And I know some of you keep telling me I don't need the www, but I'm old. I'm set in my ways, and that's how it is. Um, check us out on Facebook, Twitter, all the socials. So until next week, have a great rest of your week.